Welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agustinelli. And as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscoes.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. For the best jobs at the best companies, check out the Davis Companies. Uh, Today's guest is Abby Rosenberg. Abby is uh, a perfect example of Beers and Careers as well. Because her non-literary career path has her literally in 2019, uh, about 15, 20 years into her career, starting a nonprofit as an executive director called the Mental Health Collaborative. And she shares her journey um, from really the post-college years to today, as well as what MHC is all about. And, uh, you know, with mental health being such an important topic in 2022, strongly suggest you check it out and maybe even think about bringing this to your own corporation, uh, school system, or community. So let me know what you think. I really enjoyed the, the uh, conversation, and I hope you do too. Without further ado, Abby Rosenberg. Cheers, thank you for coming on Beers and Careers. Cheers, thank you for having me. We're uh, pumped to get you on. Another person through the network of the gym. Yeah. Which is very, yeah. Which is very cool. CrossFit Resilience really getting a shout out here. Um, Abby, can you share what your role is today and what you do every day? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I am the executive director and the founder of a very new kind of grassroots nonprofit it's called Mental Health Collaborative. And um, yeah, our mission is to build resilient communities through mental health education and awareness. So I can tell you a little bit more about that after, but that's that's what we do. That's what you do. And how, when did you found it? 2019. Okay, so fairly recent. Yeah. And, and how, what was the genesis of the creation of it? Kind of a strange story. Um, okay. I was in private practice uh, as a nurse practitioner doing psychopharm, psychotherapy, just seeing patients okay. in, out of my house, actually a private office. And um, I'll never forget the day I got this letter in the mail from an estate attorney um, saying that a former patient of mine who had um, moved out of state several years before had died by suicide. Mm. And <clears throat> he left me money. So it was, you know, really sad, a really sad situation, but I wanted to do something good with that money. Yeah. Um, so luckily I have some great supports. Um, you know, my husband supported me through this, and I <laughs> I go on a lot of dog walks, and through walking my dog with friends, we kind of were brainstorming about what the, pro- you know, you know, we have a kind of a mental health crisis with with uh, our youth and young adults, and um, it's just getting worse. So we were kind of brainstorming, like, what can, what can we, what can I use this money for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really realized it was, it was knowing a lot of young kids who were going to college, didn't even know what the word anxiety meant, didn't know what depression was, um, and I realized that you know we teach so many kinds of literacy in our schools, you know, math, English, yeah. whatever, um, but no one talks about mental health, and. If you're not mental health literate, you really don't know how to take care of yourself. Mm. That I, uh, wow, what a story! I yeah. didn't, I didn't know that. That's, oh, you didn't? No, that's phenomenal. I mean, I knew there was a former patient involved, but I didn't know about the inspiration. How long between you receiving that letter from the estate uh, lawyer until being like, I'm going to found mental health? It was wow. probably about six to eight months. Yeah, and kind of a lot of research because I didn't want to just 
do anything. I wanted to do something that really would make an impact. So it was a quite it was a bit of time just really seeing what's out there. I uh, checked out a bunch of programs myself to see what they were like, and ended up going to train at this uh, nonprofit in Canada, mm. um, which I fell in love with their their mentalhealthliteracy.org, and we ended up. I took a couple people out there with me, clinicians, and we trained with them, and we learned their curriculum really well, but it really wasn't that US friendly. So we had to kind of come back. It was good timing, the pandemic hit, so we had all this time to kind of redo the curriculum to make it really diverse, really good for people in the US. Um, so we, yeah, we have an educator program, because you know when I stand up in front of a bunch of educators and say, you know, which ones of you have had any mental health education when you were in middle school? Mm -hmm. And there's maybe one hand that goes up. Um, so they need the information because otherwise they're scared to teach it. Right, right. So wait, how, this might be an aside, but like uh, what were the differences or were there any huge differences you can share about changing the curriculum for like a Canadian-based audience to an American? Because you would think that it's like fairly similar, but that was yeah. interesting. Well, the components of mental health literacy are all similar. Correct. But um, the really, the really just obvious thing is how they spell things. Yeah, okay, okay, um, yes. But much more importantly than that, we wanted to organize it in a way that we felt that our educators and then thereby our students could really relate to it. Mm. So we kind of had to really repackage it, I okay. guess. Is okay, what it is. yeah, like maybe the order in which it was delivered and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, just really, uh, yeah, really organizing it so that teachers can just say, oh, there's that file, I need it, let me just take it, I can hit the ground running and teach this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what you kind of meant by assimilating into American yeah. culture. Okay, cool. I was just interested yeah. on how that would Yeah, and from that, we really, like, developed some really cool programs, too, from one that I know you'd be interested in because you're an athlete. Um, is our coaches athletic training okay so we're just about to pilot that this november and it's you know you i'm sure you've heard about many of the uh, collegiate athletes who have died by suicide and mm -hmm. you know it, being a student athlete's tough yes um it, especially like if you picture when you were there yeah now years later like how much more pressure is everyone under yes and phones have made it yeah. worse social media yeah and statistics, right? Yeah. It was a different world um, yeah. when you were getting the newspaper or like the end of the week recap kind yeah. of thing. Right now, we live in the age of yeah. how good did you do today? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's really interesting. So hold on, time out before we get into that. Like, talk to me about your background. So you, I, I mean, grew up in Connecticut. Yeah, uh, went to college, went to Boston University to nursing school. Yes. I only went to nursing school because one of my older sisters said to me, uh, she had just gotten out of college and didn't have a job, and she said, do something where you're going to be able to come right out and get a job. Yeah. So I didn't really want to be a nurse, but I <laughs> went to nursing school. <laughs> I love that. Um, that is beers and careers yeah. in a nutshell, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a pretty circuitous path to how I got from there to where I am now. but. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll always remember this, too, sitting in a, a group of, in my like nursing freshman advisory and having to go around the room and say why you want to be a nurse, and everyone had all these noble reasons, and, and I basically said I want to be a club med nurse. <laughs> right. That was my the, aspiration. The, the best job possible. Yeah. No. Um, so anyway, I went to nursing school, worked as a nurse in a medical unit for a bit. Okay. Hated it. 
Um, oh, okay, yeah. Realized how much I love talking to people mm. and helping people um, and how much I hated, like, tubes and yes. things like that. Yeah. Um, so I decided to go to McLean Hospital in Belmont, okay. uh, which is probably one of the best things I've ever done. Worked there for about a year and a half. Uh, back in those days, people stayed in the hospital longer, so you really got to know them. Mm -hmm. um, learned from some unbelievable mentors. I mean, that's really big reason why I, I try to be a mentor to people, because I've had some of the best in my life. Mm. Um, How long were you at McLean? About two years. Okay. But they were a transformative to you? Uh, just, you know, invaluable in what I learned. Yeah. Like you can't learn that stuff in school. Mm -hmm. Just really working with people who, you know, have pretty severe mental illness. Did you feel like your mentors found you or you found them? I really don't know, but I just have always been really lucky that okay. way. And I think it's because when, you know, when you're someone who wants to always learn, yes. you attract people that want to teach you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a theme on the podcast, oh, okay. mentorship. And um, in many of uh, the podcasts, I think, I think the conclusion, so to speak, that we've come, that I've come to from doing 50 of these now or whatever, is that... Uh, Mentors don't choose you, and you don't choose them, but they happen naturally, and it tends to be because of exactly what you just articulated, like you were just so hell-bent on learning yeah. um, that you almost can't be ignored. Yeah, and I think also a lot of people, especially in this day and age, you know, it's hard to be imperfect. So yes. if you, if you are, can be vulnerable and ask for help and say, like, I don't know any of the answers, you probably know, you know a lot more than me, then you're more open to learning. Mm. So, I, I completely agree. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Is a uh, a phrase that gets thrown around this yeah. place quite a bit. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Cool. All right. So you so you did that at McLean for two years. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then I went out to I went to get my nurse practitioner degree. Mm -hmm. Did another. So more school. Yes. Okay. Lots of school. I love school. Okay. Um, love that. Yeah. Uh, I'm lucky. It's not that like school comes easy to me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I went out to UCLA, knew very few people there, it was kind of a big adventure. Second day I was there, it was in a uh, like 7.0 Richter earthquake. Wow, yeah. <laughs> welcome to California. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun, and again, met some great people in my program there. Okay. Um, two years, came back, decided to come back, mm. and um, then I did an internship with Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare and Harvard University, and. Um, you know, didn't make a lot of money at first, but it was really, again, such an invaluable experience. Um, and then started working for a, actually a hospital-based team where we did inpatient and outpatient care. Again, I had it's the best boss I've ever had in the world. Oh, very cool. Um, and did that for, gosh, maybe 11 years. Mm. Sometime in there during that time, I... Uh, Went, did some work at Brandeis. I was doing, it's kind of funny, I was doing psychoeducational classes at my job, Whoa. which is now kind of how I've come yeah, full it's circle. It's foreshadowing, right? Yeah, yeah, so now that's what I'm doing now. But um, So that's just weird. And um, anyway, I had my first son and left the job, yeah. which was good timing. Um, and yeah, at that point, I just did complete private practice. So I was doing psychopharm, mm -hmm. psychotherapy, um, in an office at that time later. When I moved to Hopkinton, Mass, I did it out of my house, but it's a perfect job for having two young kids yeah. because 
you know, my husband would come home, I could go see patients at night, mm-hmm. you know, in the evening. Um, they balanced it out. Yeah, I could be there for all the games. You were ahead of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. The work-life balance piece. Yeah, so Um, that was good. All good. Okay. Interesting. And then, now you shared the genesis of uh, MHC and what you guys are doing, but can you explain, like, um, how the rubber meets the road in terms of how you uh, actually teach the curriculum and how we build more resilient communities like yeah, from your perspective. Sure, sure. And I also should say that, I don't know, do you know the Sharon Timlin Memorial? I do. I okay. do. I know of it. Okay. I know, of it. I know there's a 5K in town. Yeah, it's a 5K. I haven't run it. Well, S- sorry. So, Embarrassingly. T- 20 years ago, a very, very dear friend of mine was diagnosed with ALS. Okay. Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes. Um, I knew very little about it at the time. Um, I now know way too much about it. But um, I, I had asked him at that time, he was diagnosed, really close friend, you know, what can I do? What, what can I do to help? And he like, looked at me straight in the eye and said, you need to raise money for a cure. Mm. So I started that race. Oh, no way. Yeah. So oh, it started no out way. with like a field of 400 runners at most. Yeah. Um, people saying, you don't make money in a 5K, mm-hmm. but we made a ton of money and it grew. Um, so I just stepped down from that a couple of years ago when, when I started this. But it was from the reason I bring it up is it's kind of um, bringing together like you know my clinical all my clinical work and helping people in that way. But then also um, you know the whole nonprofit space. Like I knew a lot about it just by volunteering. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And I gotta think that putting that together um, really primed you for starting a, yeah. a full blown. Yeah organization right yeah how like it sounds like the Timlin 5k was like more of a quick decision like I'm gonna do something let's do this kind of thing and and, and MHC might have been a little bit more I don't want to say calculated but like, yeah MHC was more research more people involved um, too yeah no, no. Okay. actually okay because um, yeah. we have so many volunteers at the Timlin right. 5k right um, but yeah Definitely MHC took a lot of research and time and thinking. And, you know, for me, it was, like, really taking a leap of faith because mm. I don't like to fail. And yeah. <laughs> it's really it's hard free. to start a business at, when you're older. Um, you know, it's scary. Yes, yes. But it'd be, but it's we're in, what, year three now? Yes. Yeah. So, it's, so and are things trending in the right direction from yes. your perspective? Yes, 100%. There's been some challenges. Um, I work with an unbelievable team, volunteers, Mostly, except that we just were able to hire our first full-time person, which awesome. is awesome. Yeah, um, she's great, and I have a great board. They are really helpful, small but but great. How'd you um, assemble the board? Um, it was mostly, I have to say, like people I knew that I knew would be really good and passionate about this. Mm. Really passionate, thoughtful, smart people. Mm. Has the has the board uh, shaped MHC in a way you didn't expect it to? I don't think, in a, not in a way that I didn't expect it to. I think we're on the path that we chose. The problem with the pandemic happening, the good news was that we pivoted to all virtual, so now we can do in-person or virtual. Right. Um, bad news is that schools were are really our main focus, because out of schools you come communities, parents, mm-hmm. you know, that everything kind of starts in a school. Yes. Um, with youth, anyway. And um, our problem has been that schools are just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So where I want to be, you know, my, my vision, which, albeit pretty big, 
yeah. is to have our curriculum in every school in the country, mm -hmm. every middle school or high school yeah. in the country. So we're not there. <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a dream. Right. And do you... Like, when you're having the conversation with schools, is, is there something they have to give up to fit it in? Like, is it, is it an either-or question? No, okay. it's, it's sometimes... Uh, you know, what they, I think what they don't realize is that we give them everything they need. Mm -hmm. But talking about mental health to an educator who never learned that much about it is hard. It's scary. Yeah. Scary. And they're overwhelmed with so much stuff. They've got so much to do. I mean, I don't... Being mm -hmm. a teacher is, is awesome. I don't know how they do it. Right. Um, and we entrust these educators to be with our kids a, a lot of the day. Right. Um, but... The schools that have given us the chance, there's also a lot of bureaucracy in schools. Oh, it's God. like the legal stuff, this stuff. So because it's been challenging to get into schools, and we're getting there, we're, you know, one step at a time, we're, we're going to get there. But because of that, we've developed these other programs. So we have a corporate program. Okay. And I think it's great. It's like a one-hour lunch and learn. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about mental health. We oh. Just do the basics. Yeah. So that's like something we can do when because it's easy to get into it well kind of easier to yeah. get to a business than a school because it's one and done. For sure. For sure. And um, I think mental health has become such a mainstream topic through the pandemic. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, helped almost in a way, laid some of the ground for like, hey, we need to help people out. Yeah. And, you know, there's all this research on how you're going to lose productivity, you're going to lose, you know, people mm. if you don't take care of their mental health. And it's gotten more and more important mental health I think because our society is just under a lot of pressure whether mm -hmm. it be financial medical you know there's just so much pressure on all of us have you started to see the fruits of your labor like I know obviously the goal is to build resilient communities and that's a massive task but how about from like the folks that have attended the corporate sessions or the places where you have um, embedded yourself in school curriculum have you started to see promising signs yeah well we do you know we do data so it's starting yeah. to come back really good I can imagine yeah I can imagine with your background yeah a lot of data. so we do measure certain things and we we've gotten some good feedback um, corporate we've gotten great feedback I don't know what the lasting change has been yes if there is one but I'm assuming there is mm. I mean even just knowing that your employer cares about you enough to do this yes so the schools have been really, even though they're hard to get into, some of the stories, like I always, we always say, because I, I have some unbelievable trainers that work with me, they're all licensed clinicians or educators, and um, you know, we always say like, there's all these stats about suicide and all these stats about mental illness, but all we care about is that number one. Like if we can save one life, mm. or we can save one person from suffering for years, mm -hmm. um, we've done, we've done a good job. So a couple, of our things, we did a um, mental health beyond high school just recently at, at the high school here for seniors, um, seniors in high school. And two stories came out of that. One was um, as part of our curriculum, we teach, as part, or part of this program, we teach what is mental illness, what is not mental illness. Okay. You know, um, and so one person after the program came to her guidance counselor and said, I knew something was really wrong with me and I never knew that it was a illness or that it could be treated and mm. um, she ha had an OCD yeah obsessive compulsive disorder and um, you know I've talked to so many people who 
they'll suffer with something silently for years and years and years um, until they realize they can get help. Yeah, and so is, do you find that the more impactful piece of what you're doing is like, I gotta admit when I first was looking at it, I thought it was more, I'm such like a tactical guy. I'm like, all right, show me how to do it kind of thing. Do you find that it's more just educating people about what are the signs and, and, and being more aware and educated about mental health versus tactical strategies for doing it? For, 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 excuse me, for alleviating yourself. it? Like, yes, like what are the strategies you can to overcome yeah, it's the really, symptoms? Is it, is it one or the other or is no, it really a combo? it's really a combo. Because, okay. And especially our parent training. So we have a parent training that really helps parents with some strategies. Like, mm. you know, what do you do if your child is hurting themselves? Right. You know, and what is the difference between a child hurting themselves versus having thoughts of suicide? Like, mm -hmm. there's a big difference there. Um, one of the big things that a lot of people don't know is that if you ask someone about suicide, like if you're worried about, say, someone, yeah. and you say, have you been thinking about hurting yourself or killing yourself? Um, that, a lot of people are just so scared, like, oh, I'm going to make them do it, or they're, they're yeah. going to think I'm crazy. Um, or, so there's a fear to even go yeah, there. Yeah, and really that would save a life. Yes. Just, just by opening the door. Yeah. Which is kind of the way you're talking about the teachers are afraid to teach it, because it is like, I don't want to say it's a taboo subject, but it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, and a lot of people think, oh, if I talk about it, it'll make it happen. Yes. That's a big myth. Yes. But I don't want to say teachers are scared, because a lot of them may right. not be. Right. But I think it, it's overwhelming to think yes. about changing your curriculum to begin with. For, for another piece, yeah. No, that makes a... Uh, that makes a ton of sense. It's a, um, I remember, I don't know what, I was listening to a podcast, but I remember hearing when my, yeah, it might have been around the time my second son was born. It was a lot of time at home, late at night up. I was listening to a podcast, I remember hearing like statistically, especially young women, so negatively affected by the, by the uh, social media yeah. and suicide rates yeah. and women. I was like and I was really floored to hear it. And then I guess it made sense when you when you peeled it back, but it's one of those topics that doesn't get a lot of um, it's gotten more news, but it's still not uh, it's still not kind of something that people are dealing with. Yeah, it's you know, so yeah, for us there's like four things we we teach, four big pillars yeah, okay, of cool. mental health literacy and one is how to like promote your mental health, so that's strategies. Mm -hmm. And we really talk about it in terms of resilience, like not when things are going great, yes. but when things are not going great. Right. Like you don't make that team or yes. you lose someone. You know, how do you cope? And there's positive ways and ways that might not be so positive. Mm. Um, so we, that's a big piece of our curriculum. The other piece is recognizing what mental illnesses are and what their treatments are. So a mm. lot of people just don't know that. So, you know, they suffer. They yeah. just they don't know the name of what they're dealing with. Right. Um, That's where the education piece just yes. helps people be like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. and and there's a name to this. Um, so that's and we also teach what is not mental illness because there's so many people self-diagnosing and so many people just like, oh, this happened. Let's bring you to a therapist right, right away. You know, right. and a lot of times you just need support, not a mm -hmm. therapist. Mm -hmm. So that's like another big piece is what is mental illness, what is not. Stigma, another mm -hmm. huge pillar of what we teach and, and um, you know, just we all have biases no matter who we are and so really trying to help people reflect on what that is for them. And then the fourth piece which is very important as well, they're all important, but the fourth piece is 
um, like help seeking. Like, how do you know when you need professional help? Where do you get it? Um, you know, how do you ask for it? All that, and that's just, that's basically the four pillars of mental health literacy that we that you teach. teach. And this is parents, corporations, and schools look like the three avenues right now. Uh, parents, corporate. Educators yes. who then teach students. Yes. And um, then we have some little off, you know, like the seniors in high school transitions program. Okay. And the co- athletic coaches. Um, oh, right. Yeah, you mentioned the athletic coaches too. And right. we also have a, just developing a, a digitized, interactive uh, young adult mental health program mm. for like 18 to 25 year olds. Yes. Because they're having a pretty, gen- you know, generally speaking, a hard time right now. Right. Yes. Okay. I, yeah, I was wondering, um, well, I just, fresh off, uh, like, sexual harassment training for coaching hockey, oh. right, which is a long, you know, had to be two hours worth yeah. of training for that, and I did one for lacrosse in the spring. I wonder if, like, that's an avenue to filter some of it in, too, right? Yeah, so you're a coach, so you get yeah. the training I, mean, I wouldn't for... go that far, a youth coach, but... That's yeah. still yeah. a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'm just messing uh, with you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what, and... Five years, you it will be a true. middle school. True, you know. true. Yes, um, I'm on the path. Yeah, sure. yeah. So you really have the power to impact some of these youth as they get older. Well, yes. now, but also even more so, mental health wise, mm-hmm. when they get older. And so, yeah, you take the concussion course, you take the harassment yep. course, you probably take the first aid stuff. Yeah. But no one talks about mental health, do they? No, no. Which is ironic because I think looking back, that was my mental health outlet. Was go. I remember being a, you know, I, I think I'm pretty blessed to not really have too many mental health issues, uh, but I can definitely recognize like how I've learned, and I think my parents probably deserve most of the credit for how to learn how to. I need to manage myself, but I remember like having really bad days. I don't know how old I was. Let's just call it middle school. I remember just being like, I just gotta make it to hockey tonight. Yeah. And it's I mean, all that's gonna like, go away that hour on the ice. It was funny. It's just funny looking back on that. Yeah, and that's so normal. Like, yeah. who doesn't have bad days? Right, right. You know, but a lot of times we don't want anyone to feel bad, mm-hmm. so we try to take away the bad days, and that's not normal. Yes, I really struggled as a uh, uh, as a young professional, not swinging the pendulum too far in a direction. It was like too hard on the weekend, affected work, way too much work, affected the other stuff, and like fun and no health. And right. eating habits, and I, I found it. Uh, it probably took a good seven, eight years at least before I like really started to find a routine that would work. And for me, like, and obviously we met through the gym and through connections to the gym. But that for me was like the uh, was the thing. Which I guess as long as I go and show up, regardless of the effort I give, that generally means I'm gonna have a good day. Yeah, it's exactly. Been, it's been kind of a funny like. Is what a low bar to a degree because it's like man, if it was that simple, I think everyone would. Do it, but uh, people are like, why do you do that? I'm like, oh, I'm like a dog. I just have to be. I think Andrew said, I just have to be walked once a day. You know, <laughs> um, which is ironic because you've kind of did a lot of your thinking, yeah, doing dog walks, which exactly. is which is too funny. Um, did you ever think about keeping the money in full disclosure? Like you got some cash, uh, like like pretty uh, honorable yes. thing to be uh, doing. Yeah, it's kind of a long story, but okay. um, yeah, I had two kids going to college. Right. And no money saved. Right. Right. And I've met one of your sons. He's yes. phenomenal. Yes. They're both awesome. My husband is really awesome for supporting me through this. Like, yes. Because I can be a bitch sometimes. Yeah. Um, overworked. It's good to have self-awareness, right? <laughs> yes. Because we know we lean in too hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we talk about the balance. I have trouble 
you know, I have a good team that really says to me, no, you need to take your vacation or we're going to fire you. Right. Oh, good, uh, good, for, good <laughs> so, for them. Good yeah. for them. But, but, but so you did hem and haw on it for a uh, little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. But I, then I think in the big picture, I really felt like it would come back to me many times over. And, Our, yeah. And I was, it was a good time in my life. My kids were going off to college, so... I, it was like a big challenge for me to do something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's days when I'm like, what did I get myself into? Uh, yeah, I, can, I can't imagine because like I also was trying to put myself in your shoes and obviously I don't have like a medical background and didn't do all the years of schooling but like I got to think you have some trying situations in your field. Yeah. And then you find out about a patient that doesn't go well and you get a sum of money and you got the first thought that's got to go through your mind is, well, I'm really, you know, that is upsetting. But at the same time, I can't believe the impact I made on this person that they included yeah. me in their estate, right? Like that had to be, yeah, a well, pretty awe. I won't go into the gory yeah. details, but I think I was almost the only person. Okay. So it was okay. a really weird. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I get that. Oh, even okay. though there were other yeah. people that maybe felt they should have had it. Been deserved. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, oh, my God. So yeah. now you're... So without you know, saying too much, yeah, yeah. I just... Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. So now I didn't even understand that. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. So I, I'm thinking about it from a totally different perspective. So now you're in almost like a rock in a hard place. Yeah, and also, you know, you just... Like when you're a therapist your whole life, and that's what you do, you, you help people. Yeah. So this was like on a bigger scale how I can make an impact, and thanks to him. Yes. You know, if he didn't... I mean... Yeah. It's bittersweet because I would rather him be alive. Right. But he gave me this opportunity. So it was kind of, I felt like there was some, you know, and some really weird stuff. As you know, my son Evan, and he, how he interned at uh, a company. And that company that he interned this summer was the same company that my former patient had worked at for like 25 years. Wow. So, like, just like. That is wild. Weird karma. Wild. Well, I mean, your story, too. Like, became a nurse but didn't really want to be a nurse right and then and then you went back yeah right and then um and found a way to practice while raising a family yeah. but then parlayed it into this it's almost kind of like it was always supposed to work out in yeah a, in a direction like that do you feel like that yeah well it does feel like at each step of the way there was a reason for it to happen mm. Mm. that makes sense what's the what's the hardest part about running a nonprofit now I think a young nonprofit yes. that you start versus coming into a position. Because if you come into a position, you probably have a pretty singular role. Like yeah, if it's and, a big and company. Fo and focus kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a big company. You're going to maybe just be marketing. Yes. Or maybe just fundraising. So in a small company, it's you're doing everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not small, new, a startup. You're 100%. doing it all. So I think that's the most challenging part is I have my, like, have like 12 I feel like an octopus you know I've got yes. all these arms out and there's some of them I love um, and some of them I really hate yeah like taxes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm in the middle of yes um, so yeah it, it, it's just it feels like you're uh, I've said to people it feels like the Timlin race but you know a million fold mm. And you're constantly changing your priorities. Yeah. Of what you're focusing yeah. on within the the, uh, the business. Yeah, and I'm getting better at it. You know, yeah. I'm kind of all over the place sometimes. And I, this new um, new person that we have for our on our team, 
is great because she's really young and she's really organized. So she's teaching me through what she's kind of modeling for me how to be more organized and kind of task oriented. Like, you know, she yes. has some systems that I've been trying to use. Okay, to get you, yeah, to get you more. Because I'm just all yeah. over the place. Yes, like, I know. I feel, <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, there's a little of that going on in my life yeah. at times too, right? New systems, Andrea. <laughs> just smiling. Um, do you, any, any like book, uh, so we've got these core rapid fire questions I'd love to ask everyone. Sure. And I, you know, usually I ask people what their favorite book is and I'm interested in yours. But any also suggestions for books about mental health in case, that what tends to be a theme amongst the beers and careers listenership is they tend to be readers is what mm -hmm. we found a little bit. So I just figured I'd share. Yeah, it's funny. Um, since I started this, I've been reading fiction because I read and yes. use my mind yes. so much yeah. that yeah. at night, that's my way of unwinding is I just get into bed, I'm like, I'm gonna read, and I, I can't read nonfiction at night. Like Yes, I I was actually gonna add, like before I was thinking about the podcast driving to work today, I was like, I gotta ask Abby like how she manages her own mental health when you're sometimes talking about what could be a subject that has a darker side at mm -hmm. times. Like, do you f struggle? Because yeah. you're immersed in it every day? Uh, I don't, I'm going to say because I'm immersed in it because I've been doing that part, helping people with their, you know, psychology for years and years. But um, there were times in starting this that I really felt overwhelmed. Mm. And there's still days I feel really overwhelmed. But yeah. there were some periods that were really, um, I don't want to say dark, but just, you know, I, I couldn't get my head above water. Yeah. Um, but I did. Yeah, so that's a good right. learning experience. And, and when, I think, don't you find too when you do that, it gives you strength for the next time. You don't even yeah. realize. Yeah, yeah, you thing. realize, and that's what we teach a lot yeah. to, to our youth is that you know it, you have to go out of your comfort zone sometimes, and when you do that, you learn resilience. You learn that you know what, I can get up and speak in front of people. Yes. I can go on this podcast. Right, right, or or just this too shall pass yeah like it's just a period of time where things aren't going yeah. right right okay that makes sense you're you're in fiction right now what's your favorite book oh i have tons uh one one that i loved that i haven't I read a while ago is once we were brothers okay it's a good one okay then i've been reading some of the colleen hoover books like a verity oh i don't know i'm not familiar you, but, i don't know if you'd like that but i bet but i, I have a feeling <laughs> this is more for my wife yes maybe. yes yes she'd be all into that do you have a uh, favorite cocktail since it is beers and careers um, or are you yes beer? i would say a uh, crisp cold chardonnay okay love that perfect um what was your first job like your first paying job first paying job was probably in high school or about around 16. Um, I worked at this place in, in West Hartford, Connecticut called The Farm Shop. Okay. It's kind of like a friendlies. Yeah. Scooping ice cream. Awesome. With my older brother. That was fun. I love, never forget the red and white uniform. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was my first job. Okay, scooping ice cream. That's, I think that's the first. Yeah. We get a lot of babysitting. Oh yeah, I which didn't is do like much I never, of that. I never, which I never, I always forget. Yeah, I didn't do much of it either. Yeah, um, no one trusted me around their children. <laughs> um, and uh, are you a quote person at all? Do you like quotes? Oh my God, yes. Yeah, I am a quote because Evan is. Yes, Evan is, and we like once in a while fire them back and forth to each other. All right, so full disclosure, 
uh, yeah, I'm a quote junkie, and my poor kids and husband probably get at least once a week a quote in their email. I, that's awesome. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Now I know where Evan gets it from. This is yeah. this is perfect. So what? Give me a quote it, to steal a phrase from Tim Ferriss. A quote you're pondering right now. Let's see a quote. Um, I love John Wooden, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But uh, a quote that I think is really relevant right now for me is um, by Maya Angelou. It's um, as you get older, you realize that God gave you two hands. One to help yourself and one to help others. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's excellent. Perfect for what you're doing. Yeah, kind of, and I'm really learning the help yourself part as I go. Yeah, right. It's which I feel like that tends to be a uh, not to stereotype, but I feel like that tends to be a, a challenge for moms is yes. to helping themselves. I like I, all of the. You know, now that I've got a seven and five year old, I'm you know involved with way I, I see and interact with way more young moms. Yep. Like they're just uh, you're flat out. Yeah, and I don't know how people do it with all these kids. I had, <laughs> I had two, and, and I was pretty busy. Uh, right, it's it, it is the truth. I mean, it takes uh, it truly does take a community uh, to make it happen. But um, now it's it's a hard one. I I usually ask people, did you think you'd be doing this? when you started out on your career journey, but I, I would venture to guess no. Yeah, no, never. Um, I still kind of can't believe it sometimes. Like, awesome. what did I do? Awesome. But it is, it's, it's really fun. It's so good to work with such passionate, like, great people. That's, yeah. that's I mean, interaction, as you know, is, you know, what makes life good. Yeah, enriched. Yes. For sure. For sure. I mean, I well, first off, Abby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like, I wanted to share... What was going on from the moment I saw you guys posted in the uh, in the gym chat or whatever? Yeah. I was like, oh man, what a cool what a cool thing they're doing, and especially during a time where I think some people need outlets and some education and awareness. So, how do we find Mental Health Collaborative online? Just for the it's listeners? a mentalhealthcollaborative.org. dot org. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for having me. This is really fun. I, I love it now. No, awesome. Awesome, right? Thank I know. You. Some people get nervous about the podcast, but it's easy. Yeah. Just go people talking. So Abby, thanks again thank for coming you. on. Thank you. Cheers. But yeah, cheers, and we look forward to uh, hearing about it in a little bit. I hope so. Thank thanks. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye.